This is And Another Thing with your hosts, Jody Jenkins and Tony Clement. Welcome back. Another jam-packed episode. My name is Jody Jenkins. And my name is Tony Clement. And this is And Another Thing, the podcast that is sweeping the nation. Tony, I don't know about you, a couple... A couple days ago, you and I were chatting on the phone about how many emails we get, uh, how many text messages we get. It's in the tens of thousands, it's, literally. It's in the tens <laughs> no, of for thousands. You. For you, oh, okay. it's in the tens of thousands for me. Sure. Ever, not a day goes by where someone doesn't text me, how do I subscribe? Jody, can I get your autograph? Do you have eight and a half by 11 glossy photos of yourself? Like, Actually, the feedback's been really good. Yes. And, and we really want to thank all the listeners and uh, the, the subscribers that are subscribing now. It's just fantastic. So keep... Keep the feedback coming because we are we are, we do actually. This is a serious point. We are taking that seriously. We are, we we want oh, to yes. get, make sure that we have the banter that you like as well as the the, the great interviews that we're doing. So uh, all of it is very helpful. For yeah, the show. we we pride ourselves on top notch guests, timely guests from from across the world. I mean, obviously your co- connections, your network. It's international. Yes. We've had a, we've had an Israeli expert, we've had a British expert, and now we've got a USA expert. So. And today is no different. That's right. So exactly. I'm going to throw it over to you, Tony. Introduce this man. Uh, I know who he is. Very cool, I think, having him on, but I'm going to let you tee it up and we'll go from there. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are very, very pleased here at Another Thing podcast to have uh, the His Excellency David Wilkins on the program. He is the former U.S. ambassador to Canada. He's former speaker of the legislature in South Carolina. Uh, he is uh, a person who knows American politics backwards and frontwards. He is now a partner at Nelson Mullins, still doing a lot of Canada-U.S. work. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. David Wilkins. Thank you. David, welcome. Well, Tony, thank you very much. Uh, Jody, thank you very much. I'm honored to be uh, be with two uh, podcast uh, superstars uh, based on your introduction of yourselves <laughs> a few minutes ago. And I'm just honored to be on your program. And uh, Tony and I enjoyed, uh, uh, I should say, Minister Clement and I enjoyed a, a wonderful relationship when I was based in Ottawa as U.S. ambassador and we became very good friends and we kept up with you, with each other over the years so tony great to be with you and jody good to be with you and quick quick question just off the top because he's mentioned south carolina that's gamecocks country isn't it well i like to think of it as clemson tiger country <laughs> uh, but there are there are a few gamecocks in uh, south carolina but uh the um the, the clemson tigers have had a real good run in football the last couple of years and uh, so we sort of, we, I think we won six in a row from the Gamecocks, and so uh, we're doing well right now. But we won't, but we won't talk about what happened the other night. Then no, we Clemson. won't talk about that. No, no, definitely not. Well, you can't win them all. Yeah, you know, it's all. forty-nine That's in a row, and we lost one. Yeah, but we, we'll, we'll be back strong next year. It's like uh, politics; you can't win them all. Sometimes you try, though. Right. Uh, we'll get That's serious right. just for a few minutes here. Obviously. The uh, confrontation with uh, Iran has uh, been uh, top of mind for a lot of people and uh, uh, a lot of histrionics, especially on social media, you know, the start of World War III. But uh, let, give, give us your take on uh, uh, the, the confrontation, uh, President Trump's uh, reaction, uh, and uh, basically uh, where you see things going. Well, for, first of all, I think it's very important. I know you all agree with me. We ought to... Uh, mentioned that, uh, but all of us, uh, for all of us, our hearts go out to everyone lost uh, in that uh, 
horrific shooting down of the jetliner, uh, and I know I believe it was fifty-seven Canadians. Fifty-seven, uh, yes, died in that uh, that attack, um, and uh, we 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 all are sending our deepest sympathies to to the loved ones and the families of those uh, individuals that died. Uh, you know, for those that want to blame the U.S. for it, I, I respectfully disagree. I mean, uh, our president made a decision to take out the number one terrorist in the world, and he did that, and he did it effectively. Uh, and, uh, you know, now he gets criticized for it. It is certainly the attack. Uh, Iran has admitted responsibility for it now, and uh, it is their responsibility. Uh, they say it was an accident. I know that's going to still going continuing to be investigated. Uh, but um, we had the, you know, I look at it when uh, when President Obama uh, made the decision to to take out Bin Laden. We Republicans were applauding his decisive action, and uh, and yet this president gets criticized for for doing doing something very similar to a terrorist that uh, had the blood of many, if not hundreds of Americans on his hands over the past uh, few years. So uh, it's, it's, it's a horrific event that the jetliner got shot down. I, I hope that uh, it looks to me like, from everything I've read and uh, the, the media indicates that Iran hopefully is, is, is standing down a little bit. It's, we don't look like we're on the verge of a World War III now. And uh, the president took decisive action. They shot some mis some missiles at uh, at some bases, uh, Iraqi bases where Americans were stationed, and uh, uh, no loss of life there. So hopefully things are are settling down. There's some de-escalation going on between the and, and indeed all, all uh, parties involved. And indeed, uh, that's that's the thing because the escalation had been taking place over months, if not years. And uh, so uh, you can't just look at it just from a two-week or three-week vantage point. Uh, the Iranians had attacked, uh, uh, had used their proxies to attack in Yemen. They, they used their proxies to attack the Saudi oil fields. They're, they attacked ships in the Straits of Hormuz. So this has been, and then uh, finally there, there was the takeover or the partial takeover of the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. So there's a lot of activity that got, had gone on before there was a U.S. reaction. I, I agree. I think this was a clear message to the Iranians that, you know, you're crossing the red line, uh, the line in the sand now, and, and we're simply not going to continue to tolerate it without uh, reciprocating. And uh, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, it, 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 it does amaze me that uh, this president is getting criticized uh, so gravely by the Democrat leadership in Washington. Uh, you know, the, the, claiming that uh, the Speaker of the House claiming that the President didn't consult her. Uh, you know, I don't recall Obama consulting the Speaker of the House when uh, he made the decision to take Bin Laden out. Uh, and um, over over the Obama administration, the use of targeted um, killings steadily increased. I think uh, during his eight years as President, Obama ordered more than 500 drone strikes at killed hundreds of people, uh, terrorists mostly, and uh, in fact one was an American citizen that was taken out by a drone strike. But, you know, those that's thats the world we live in now, and uh, for this president to be criticized, and yet when, when the former Democrat president does it, uh, 
Uh, there's not the, not the same criticism as uh, some hypocrisy going on there, and certainly a double standard. I'm going to ask you a hard question here, Ambassador. Uh, uh, you've probably been monitoring uh, Justin Trudeau's uh, reaction uh, to the uh, the takedown of uh, seven, Flight 752, and uh, I think uh, the general uh, perception was that he he did a he did a good job to uh, display the empathy uh, that ca- all Canadians felt for those uh, Iranian Canadians and indeed all of the people that were on that flight. He then started to veer, and I think there was a little bit of baiting by Canadian media a little bit. He started to veer into uh, having an opinion that uh, the that there might be some dual culpability, and I'm not, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. I, I am paraphrasing when it came to the escalation of the situation. He said something to the effect that you know the, uh, those those uh, citizens would be home with their families if the situation hadn't escalated, and that was taken to mean a little bit of a signal to the Trump administration. What what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I share your view on it. Uh, I, I don't have the quote in front of me, but uh, I, I do think the, the prime minister and other officials in Canada have, uh, have, for the most part, obviously expressed great sympathy and also have been some, somewhat constrained on their, their remarks without trying to lay the blame on, on this president or the, or the United States in general. I do know he, there was some implication there, but I, I, and I would respectfully say this. Everybody has a right to be angry at the Iranians for shooting down an unarmed civilian airline. Uh, but I think you're, if, you're, if you're trying to blame the, the President of the United States, I would respectfully say your anger is misplaced. It's the Iranians that, that solely share the, solely own the responsibility for doing this, uh, for creating this tragedy. And uh, uh, it is not the responsibility of anyone else, in my opinion. Do you think that this changes the uh, the situation in the Middle East? I'm talking more generally now with a strike on Soleimani. Uh, do, do you think that that will uh, mean that uh, Iraq will be uh, a little bit more sedate, that uh, the Syrian situation will calm down, uh, or is it too soon to tell? Well, I like to believe and I certainly hope that uh, – the Iranians will be more restrained now, that they'll understand that their actions have consequences, and uh, when they uh, act a certain way, there will be repercussions. And there are serious repercussions uh, by the United States. And, and so I'm hoping that will cause some stability and some uh, restraint uh, exercised by that, that government. Uh, they've got their own problems internally. Uh, their economy's a wreck. Uh, there have been protests uh, frequently over the last several months there, uh, and so they've got uh, they've certainly got their own their own issues to deal with without uh, causing uh, the United States to to, uh, to forcefully react to their bad actions. Of course, uh, international politics is never uh, separate from domestic politics. So I'm going to switch gears and talk a little bit about uh, Capitol Hill and uh, the Im- impeachment process. You've been watching very, very, uh, I'm sure, assiduously, as we all have, uh, about uh, that. There's been wall-to-wall coverage, of course, on that. What's, what's your take on things in Washington on the impeachment process? Well, as you know, it's uh, after uh, the House uh, Democrats uh, rushed through the, the impeachment show and uh, 
you know, got got the got the oracles voted on, and then of course the speaker held held the oracles for almost two weeks while she was demanding that she basically write the rules for the Senate, which Speaker, uh, excuse me, Majority Leader McConnell. Uh, made it very clear that the Speaker of the House was not going to dictate to the Senate what rules they followed. They had, they were prepared to follow the same rules used in the last impeachment trial, which was of President Clinton. Uh, and so now the the impeachment articles have been delivered to the Senate, and the the, um, the trial will begin next Tuesday. Uh, you know, I I believe that um, the Senate will acquit the president. Uh, not only refused to remove him from office, uh, you know, some 10 months before the election, but, uh, but will also acquit him. But the trial will take place. It's uh, anybody's guess as to, to how long it will take place and whether or not any witnesses ultimately will be, uh, any additional witnesses will be called, and that will be voted on by the entire Senate at the appropriate time. But um, it looks like starting this coming Tuesday, we... Uh, we're in for several weeks of continued drama. Now, uh, uh, there are some candidates for the uh, Democratic nomination who sit in the Senate, including Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Uh, yeah, you do, got do they? You got yeah, Warren and Sanders and Gorbachev, and they, so at least three. Yeah, uh, yeah. So how, how, just got out. So now it's, I think. Uh, in the in the hour in the debates this past week, there were six on the platform, and I, I believe three of those are I believe three of those are sitting uh, uh, senators. So at least three of them will be uh, obviously tied up to do to do their constitutional duty, and that's said as a basically said as a juror for this impeachment trial. So how how do you as a juror? This is my question to you. How do you as a juror get to have? a voice, and indeed, in this case, a vote on the impeachment of a, of a president that you're running against in the Democratic primary? Well, it's <laughs> the simple question is because that's, that's, our, that's our laws and that's our Constitution. But uh, it, it does, um, you know, it, it does make one wonder how, um, how impartial one can be. Yeah. And, and obviously, the, the votes... Um, I don't want to speak for the Senate. Certainly, everybody's got is going to hear the evidence and make up their own decision. But uh, I would imagine a, a good many senators sort of have strong feelings one way or the other right now uh, before the before the evidence. Uh, so much has already been publicized. So much has been stated and restated and repeated. Uh, most people know what the the charges are and what the evidence is, and I would imagine a lot of them have have. Not publicly, but certainly privately have a good idea of what, what side they're leaning on right now. David Wilkins is our guest. I'm Jody Jenkins, along with Tony Clement. This is And Another Thing. David, I'm curious. Tony mentioned some of the Democratic candidates already. Do you see a situation at all based on, and look, I say this, I'm trying to say this in the most polite way, but based on the field of current Democrat candidates for potentially running against the current president, do you see any chance of someone taking out Trump? Because I, I'm just not seeing it. Well, I think the, I think the president's in a very strong position. Agreed. Um, Agreed. And Yeah, I mean, despite the articles of impeachment being sent to the Senate this week, I mean, he had an incredible week. Uh, you've got the USMCA voted on today uh, by the Senate. Uh, 
I think it was, uh, I know it was a very overwhelming uh, vote, 89 to 10. Uh, it, it, you know, nothing passes the United States Senate 89 to 10, and yet this was his signature trade bill that uh, that they have been working on. The administration has been pushing hard for well over a year, and it passed, uh, passed the Senate today, uh, go, goes to the White House now to be signed by the President. So this was his signature trade bill. Uh, he had a lot at stake on that, and um, the White House deserves, the President deserves a lot of credit for getting that done, and it will obviously be a great benefit uh, to the U.S. and to Canada. Um, and so that was a, that's, that's a, a great, uh, a great event for him uh, this week. Uh, you, you've also got the, uh, the agreement with China uh, announced yesterday and agreed to yesterday, phase one. Uh, and the and the stock markets have responded accordingly and broke every record yesterday uh, in the U.S. So uh, you look at his record, though. We've had uh, lowest unemployment, I think, in 50 years, including for African Americans. Um, uh, he's he, he, the uh, everybody for the last uh, year been predicting we're getting ready to go in a recession, go, getting ready to go in recession, and we continue to have a a record crushing economy. Uh, despite the predictions of a recession, and uh, uh, people are generally speaking economically, they're a lot better off than they were. Uh, they're satisfied. They have jobs. Uh, so I, I think um, I think he's in a very very strong position going into this election. Uh, he's, he set out to make the United States more competitive in the world. I think he's done that. He's uh, rolled back. Uh, these oppressive uh, regulations uh, implemented by the last administration. He pushed through massive tax breaks. Uh, so unemployment stays low. The economy stays good. Uh, I think he will be incredibly hard to beat. Uh, we've got uh, these uh, uh, caucuses and primaries coming up on the Democratic field. Uh, interestingly, one of the candidates, Bloomberg, has uh, He's uh, not. Uh, he's not going to be on the ballot in uh, Iowa. He's not going to be in the ballot on, in New Hampshire. He will be in the ballot, I believe, in in South Carolina. So, what's what's your take? Is is he the guy that could come up the middle and uh, surprise some people? I, I don't. I, I just don't know. I'm I'm not not going to claim to be an expert on Democratic candidates uh, in the Democratic primary. But uh, I remember years ago when Giuliani was supposed to be the. The, the, going to be the Republican nomination, and he decided to sit out Ottawa, Iowa and sit out New Hampshire and sit out South Carolina and wait for Florida. And by the time Florida came along, nobody could remember who he was. Uh, I just don't think you can you can stay out because there's going to be so much publicity and so much momentum coming out of Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina. Uh, I don't know if you can wait out, but you know, stay stay out out of the fray in the first two, and then all of a sudden. Uh, do well in South Carolina. I mean, right now in the polls, uh, Biden is actually leading in South Carolina. He's not leading in Iowa. He's not leading in New Hampshire. But in South Carolina, he is leading right now. Terrific. No, that, that I think that's very true because uh, uh, there's just so much media attention leading into the first uh, set of votes that uh, it's uh, difficult to catch up. And yes, you can have the money to buy the airtime but uh, you've also got to have the organization on the ground, so it's 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 going to be uh, right now. I mean, in Iowa caucuses, all sort of bunched up together. I mean, 
uh, the latest poll I saw, you had Sanders at the top with 20, and Biden was fourth at 15, but you had Warren in there and Mayor Pete and uh, Biden, and then and then New Hampshire was a little bit, Biden was up a little bit more, but they were all bunched together. Uh, and um, and then actually in uh, South Carolina, Biden was leading in the next, number two is Steyer. Yeah, um, that's right. At, yeah. at 15 percent. So it, you know, it's going to have to shake out for a while. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty bunched up for at least the first couple of primaries, I think. Meanwhile, the Republicans are busy raising the money and uh, getting the organization in in play. What what I found interesting in 2016 was that Trump really, he his campaign was more about momentum and about the air war versus the ground war of organization. He That was not one of his strong suits in 2016. What I'm told now is that he's really made up some ground uh, on that, and uh, he's got a quite a sophisticated ground organization. Are you seeing that from your vantage point? Yeah, South Carolina is, uh, I agree with what you said uh, totally. South Carolina is a safe Republican state, so you don't, you don't see a lot of activity uh, right now for Trump. Uh, my friend Lindsey Graham is up for re-election. I, I'm in very much involved in his campaign, and he's, he's doing quite, uh, quite well with uh, uh, raising the money he's necessary to, to wage a very, very strong campaign, and he'll be in good shape, in my opinion. Uh, but I agree with you. The, uh, the Trump campaign is, is concentrating uh, on raising money. They're doing quite well with that. The Republican National Committee is doing uh, Party's doing quite well. The, the uh, senatorial committee of the Republican Party is doing quite well. So I think the uh, it, it looks good for a very strong, robust campaign by by President Trump and the Republicans. Uh, they've certainly been able to raise the money uh, over the last uh, several years. We've been talking to uh, former uh, U.S. Ambassador to Canada, David Wilkins. Uh, David, thank you so much for being part of this program to give us uh, a sense of things, uh, both international and, of course, uh, from the American perspective. It's been great to have you on the program. Well, I, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on the, the program with you, Tony, and with you, Jody. And uh, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Thanks, thank David. You. David Wilkins, great guest. Lots of interesting insight. Yeah, no, I hope we can have him back sometime. Uh, he's uh, a really keen observer. Yeah, and you know what we need more of? Uh, this is what, well, in Canada, yes, but in the States, you know what I love? Wrestlers becoming politicians. Yeah, yeah. remember Jesse the Body Ventura? Jesse the Body, but he wanted to change his name to Jesse the Mind yeah. Ventura. And then, just recently, Kane, who is Glenn Jacobs. Right. He recently won, I, I don't know, I think, I want to say it's like Tennessee or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. But he, uh, he won a position in in politics as well or in the government. So and don't, we need for, more don't forget the rock, uh, you know, yeah, he's not running for president. <laughs> yes, he is. is. No, he's not. <laughs> His father just passed away last oh, week. I'm so sorry to hear yeah, that. Yeah. Rocky Johnson. So, okay. Uh, it'll be interesting. I, I think the WWE is going to do a big, big thing about that. I mean, that's like a, that's a legendary family in the wrestling uh, indeed, world. We're getting, indeed. we're deviating off of, uh, off I, of I got us off track there. Yeah, sir. you did get us <laughs> off track. Anyway, Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google play, iHeartRadio. Download, subscribe, 
Do it all. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell your enemies. Awesome. And we got some great guests coming up in the next couple weeks. Robert Benzi. Yeah, he's from the Toronto Star. We'll talk a lot about Ontario politics. Who else is coming up? My buddy Sam Grosso. We're going to talk about music. Yeah, absolutely. Who else do we got? We got Senator Leo Husako. There we go. Talk about China and Iran with him. And uh, Mr. Gary Marr from uh, Calgary, Alberta. We get the best guests. I know. It's going to be, it's it's a great podcast. if If I wasn't on the podcast, I'd be subscribing to it. <laughs> as uh, as a good friend of mine once said, said Jody, that of all the podcasts I listen to, you're one of them. So I thought that was uh, bravo. <laughs> I well that was done. wonderful. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you.